Turn your Bibles tonight to the book of 1 John. I guess I've read the book of 1 John all the way through more than any other book of the Bible. I love the book of 1 John. And I want to start tonight, if I can, this reading beginning in the first verse of the book of 1 John, chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doeth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that has this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is a transgression of the law. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth has not seen him, neither known him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doeth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of God. In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteous is not of God, neither loveth not his brother. For this is the message you have heard from the beginning, that you should love one another, not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil, and his brother is righteous. Marvel not, my brother, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death into life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth the brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. How be, here be, uh, perceive, hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whosoever has this world's good and sees his brother have need and shut up the vows of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him, because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. And this is a commandment, that we should believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as He gave us commandment. And he that keepeth His commandments dwelleth in Him, and He in Him. And hereby we know that He abideth in us by the Spirit, which he has given us. I want to clear up something before I get started in what the message that God has given me. Uh, if you would please, in verse 6, 
uh, says, Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. And then verse 9, Whosoever is born of God doeth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. Notice verse 9 explains verse 6. It does not say that a child of God cannot sin. It's saying that that seed that is in you, which is the Holy Spirit of God, he cannot sin. And so uh, anybody that says uh, that they just keep on sinning, they don't have the seed of the Holy Spirit in them, and therefore they're not children of God. Now, verse 11, For this is the message which you have heard from the beginning, that you should love one another. The whole thing behind this verse 11 has to do with true love produces action. In the verses just before this, if you go back and study, you'll find that it teaches the surety of salvation. We come to the practical part of the side of salvation now. He just got through talking about knowing that you're saved. And then chapter 3 starts off with the practical part of living out salvation. Throughout the New Testament, there's many verses, verse after verse, of practical Christian living this talk, for instance. Colossians 2, 6. And ye have therefore received Christ, Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Romans 1, verse 7. Uh, says we are called to be saints. In other words, we are to practice in our walk what we declare in our our talk. Now, in reality, in practicality, we are to be what we declare that we are. Jesus said in John 13, verse 7, If you know these things, happy are you that do them. Now, in John 13, 15, is the answer to this doing. Uh, what we say here uh, verse 15 says for I have given you an example that you should do as I do unto you Uh, Jesus saved people Uh, Jesus fed them Jesus gave them rest Jesus even paid their taxes and so to show Christianity we need to help people to like Jesus help people And you find all that taught in Matthew chapter 7, how Jesus taught people. Now, and true believers practice what they say. And verse 10 plainly tells us that we who loves not uh, his brother is not of God. Then verse 11 tells us this is the message that you heard from the beginning. So, true love is more than emotional attire. Uh, Love is emotional not just emotion. True love longs to do something and uh, must do something. True love must give, and many times the giving is costly. Think of what it costs God, His beloved Son, to come in this world, John 3:16. So true believers don't find it difficult to fellowship with one another, to love one another. Love between brethren is natural. In a family, one brother dislikes another brother. That's not natural. We're to love our brothers and sisters, our natural brothers and sisters. 
But God uses a case to show what he's talking about. When he's talking about in verse 13, uh, 12 and 13, he uses two characters, Cain and Abel. And if you go back and study that story, you'll see what it brought. And then Hebrews 11 and verse 4 tells us, it's not was uh, by faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Now, faith come by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. So Abel was righteous because he heard and believed the word of God. Cain, on the other hand, had the same opportunity. He heard, but he didn't believe. So Cain hated his brother. Why did he hate him? Because he was of that wicked one, and the Bible says, and Abel was of the righteous one. Now, it should be no wonder then that the world hates us. And by the way, it does. And the people in the world. Because it's unnatural for the world to love a Christian. Because we live in two different spheres. For instance, believers are citizens of heaven. Where you believe this or not, or where you understand it or not, this is not our home. Our citizenship is in heaven. Now, unbelievers are citizens of the world. This is all they're going to get right here now. We have two different natures. The unbeliever is of his father the devil, John 8, verse 44. He is by nature a child of wrath, Ephesians 2, 3. Now, when people have the attitude, I'll get even with them if it's the last thing on earth that I do, they're children of wrath and of the devil and not of God then. If there's one thing I know for sure, you don't get even in this world. Now, the believer is a child of God. The believer possesses divine nature. It is unnatural for the world to love a Christian. But it's natural for believers to love each other. And if we don't love our fellow brethren, we don't love God then. That's what First John is about. Why? Because born-again people possess the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit bears fruit. Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Now, John 14, verse 15, Jesus said, If you love me, keep my commandments. And he commands us to love one another. Now, verse 14, True believers love have assurance. Notice verse 14 of 1 John chapter 3. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brethren abideth in death. There are several ways clearly taught in the Bible whereby we can know that we're saved. Number one is through the testimony of the Word of God. John chapter 5 verse 24 talks about he that believeth. That's the Word of God. And then John chapter, 1 John chapter 5 verse 10 through 13 talks about that we can know that we're saved. So you have the testimony of the Word of God. Secondly, I can know I'm saved through the testimony of the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8 verse 16 says that our spirit bear with the spirit that we're the children of God. So we have the Word of God. We have the Holy Spirit of God that testifies that we are the children of God. Then the third way that we can know is through the tes- testimony of our own hearts. The new heart God puts within us at <coughs> the new birth, 1 John chapter 3 now, and notice verse 21 and verse 22. Beloved, if our heart condemns us not, then have we confidence towards God. 
And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. One of the greatest ways that we can know that we're children of God, does your heart condemn you and or your heart not condemn you? When you do something right, does your heart condemn you that you're a child of God? If your heart does if you do something wrong, does your heart condemn you or not to do that? Then you can know you're a child of God. Then the fourth way is through our love for the brother. Look at chapter 3 now, verse 10 and 11. Uh, In this, the children of God are manifest. That is, made known what the word manifest means. And the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. For this is the message that we heard from the beginning, that you should love one another. Now, you've got to differentiate these two things. The world is not my brother. It's saved people that's my brother and sisters in Christ. And so the, the Bible nowhere tells me that I must love unsaved people that does me wrong and so on. Now, we're to love everybody. We're to, to treat people as Christian, no doubt about that. But when he's talking about loving the brethren here, he's talking about loving Christians, loving one another as Christians. God is love. It doesn't say God loves, but the Bible says God is love. Now, if we have Christ in us, then we have to have love in us. We have to have it. And the gift to us sinners, and when we receive him, the certainty when we have Jesus in our hearts is we love the brethren. Now, we are not saved through loving, but the love the brethren because we are saved in verse 16. Therefore, we know that we have passed from death into life. Now, uh, the devil here in verse 14 is eternal death. Uh, The death here in verse 14 is eternal death. And Revelation 20 verse 14 says that's the lake of fire. We know that we have passed from the death or the wages of sin and possess the life. Christ is our life. John 13 verse 35. So, not only does love for the brethren give us assurance of our salvation, but the world also knows that we are saved and are disciples of the Christ when we demonstrate by our actions towards each other. Isn't it something to watch two Christians loving one another? And the world sees that, and they don't understand that because they don't understand God's salvation. Now watch verse 15. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Now, when I read these verses, like verse 15, the question comes up, can a murderer get saved then? Absolutely. Anybody can get saved. But if if you stay hating your brother, you have the work of the devil in you, and you're not a child of God, and therefore you have the seed of the devil in you. Now, Verse 17 and 18. Verse 15 says, Hate kills just as much as a 357 would as a bullet. Verse 16. Here is love in its highest order. Verse 16 now. Notice. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brother. It's like I've said many times. The way that I can forgive a brother in Christ... And the way I can forgive anybody is to realize what Jesus has done for me. 
He laid down his life for me. Why shouldn't I give up something for somebody else then? And that's what it's about. Now, that's love in action. Jesus never performed one miracle to supply any need of his own. Jesus never had a house to live in. He never had a bed which he could sleep in, Matthew chapter 8 and Luke chapter 9. Yet, he stepped over all the laws of nature when someone else was in need. He stepped in the lion's den to help Daniel. He stepped in the fiery furnace to help Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So Jesus was never too busy, never too tired, never too engrossed in ministry, uh, not to minister to the individual in need. James chapter 1, verse 22 is a true Christianity. It's love in action. And so what we need to understand when we say that we love the brethren, then we care for one another. And that doesn't mean uh, the same thing as loving somebody for their soul. Now, I believe this. When you read John 6, 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His own begotten Son, that means that God loves every sinner in this whole world to the place that He wants to see them saved. All right? Now, as far as salvation is concerned, we're to love everyone to get them saved. But I have a different feeling, and I have a different fellowship, and I have a different love for somebody that's saved than I do for somebody that's unsaved. If you study, I think it's Third John, it says, snatching some from the fire, uh, making a difference. And there is a difference. And what he's talking about there, I believe, is I care for my son, more than I would somebody else's son. I care for my daughter more than I would somebody else's son, a daughter. Why? Because it's my blood. That's natural. Some making a difference. And it's the same thing when it comes to Christian brothers and sisters in Christ. And what bothers me, and, and this is the reason I got to think about this, it's a shame that I know a lot of Christians that'll treat the world unsaved out there better than they'll treat their Christian brothers and sisters in business and everything else in the world. But the, the, the Bible says we're to love our brother beyond what we love the world out there and care for them. And that's a sign of you truly saved because you love your brother. Amen. And it's a wonderful thing. You can know you're saved is what this whole book of 1 John's about. Glad I'm saved tonight, aren't you? And I know something. There's something in my heart that didn't used to be there. And that's the love of God. Amen. Stand with me, please. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful tonight to know we're saved. And Lord, it's, it's a pleasure to read the book of 1 John, written to Christians, and explains these things sometimes that we don't even understand uh, when we have feelings and go through feelings in our life and, and trials and troubles and times. But then we read, Lord, we understand what it's all about. We have the love of Christ in us. We can't hate. It's not even in there. We love one another. We care for one another. And Lord, we ask you to help us be keenly aware of that everywhere we go, every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Shake hands somebody, please.